Hello and welcome to Pilot Study, episode number 49. And I wanted to jump in here really quick just to say that we did have some connection issues in this one. Grimes had to be away and we connected by hotel. And if you've ever stayed at a hotel, you know that the Wi-Fi is obviously a little spotty. So we have to switch from Skype to phone at one point after he started to cut out. Now, I hope you're going to listen regardless. It's our season finale. And I just think it's a good conversation regardless of any connection issues. So please stick with us. And of course, we'll be back for season three in a few weeks. Uh, follow us on Pilot Study Pod for Twitter. And uh, if you want to email us a show idea, you can also reach us at pilotstudypod at gmail.com. So to finish out season two, without further ado, here we go. The Life and Times of Tim premiered on HBO on September 28th, 2008. The Leftovers premiered on June 29th, 2014 on HBO. Let's put, you know what? Let's just put some time on the clock and we're going to work this one out. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study, episode number 49. My name is Chris Lantinen, and I'm joined, as always, his meatloaf is fucking spectacular. It's Grimes! <laughs> yes, sir. Happy to be back on Pilot Study. It feels like we already took our season break, but this is actually our season finale. Um, we are trying a little bit of a different formula or a format today. Um, basically what we did is we want to pitch a pilot to each other, one we think the other should get into, and we wanted to be able to, to discuss two shows before we went away for a short break. Short as in like, we're going to be back in three weeks, but <laughs> it's, it's more so just a breather. It's still a break. <laughs> yeah. It's a breather and it's right. a chance for us to set up some guests, but yes, this will be the official end of season two. We'll come back, uh, season three, we've already got our first theme month all mapped out, but before we start to talk anything about season three, let's, I think we should do life and times of Tim first, because this, all right. is, this is the one you pitched to me. And um, it's a HBO. It's an animated HBO program. And first off, I want to know why. Why was this your pitch? Why? Why did you think I would dig this, or why did you want me to get into it? Well, one reason uh, is that the comedian behind it is hilarious, and I know that you and I have somewhat similar tastes in stand-up, mm -hmm. um, and just our sense of humor has always clicked. So I thought if a and which I'm always hyping up because I'm a 36-year-old, six-year-old. Um, and I would just want you to get into, like, a cool cartoon. And I think this is one of the coolest hidden gems of, like, quote-unquote adult-oriented animation. or what? It's just, I don't know, I think it's a quality show. The shittiness of the animation I, I always liked. Um, it's got Kroll, it's got a ton of great guests, Pepitone, Marin, three seasons of it. And I just feel like this show should be what Family Guy is. Like, these people should be mega rich. This should be, like, a thing. And it just got lost in the sauce, I think, because it was animated on HBO. And it kind of, I don't know. It, it, when it premiered, the world was different, man. <laughs> so. Has an animated show ever, like, popped off of HBO? Like, do they just, are they just not good at promoting and developing animated programs? It seems... So, I mean, for as amazing as they are at comedy, too, you would think that that, like, some shows like Adult Swim or Fox uh, would want to be on HBO uh, just because you could, then you're not bleeping all the swearing, you have so much more freedom and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it, it just doesn't seem like they ever got their shit together in the animation department. And um, I just really, as this show went on, I was in undergrad. Um, my roommates and I would just kind of watch it as it was on every Sunday night at 10 or whenever it was. And um, I just really liked it, and I, I feel like it slept on. So I wanted to put it out there to this pilot study audience and you as something good. You know, when I first when I first looked it up and was, like, trying to do some, some background on it, some background research, like, the first headline that I saw was, 
all the great shows, or no, it was maybe a review or something, but it was like all the great shows get canceled so early. So I thought this was going to be like a season, a one season, 12 episode type of deal, then it's over. But I mean, it got three seasons and 30 episodes, so that, that's a pretty good run. Yeah, yeah, it did get a, a decent run. It just like, I've never met anybody just in the street or talking about TV yeah. or and they're like, hey, you into this Life and Times of Tim shit? Like, it just... <laughs> People obviously watched it that it got three seasons, but I have not met other fans of it other than like online Reddit and stuff. Yeah, well, HBO just um, gives will give three seasons to anything, even if nobody's watching it. Cue the leftovers, but uh, <laughs> and it's like Crashing, which just got season two after six episodes. Yeah, and the the animation, like like we said, the animation development and promotion over there seems a little sketchy i mean you think about like animals which is a is that like a duplass i think that's like a duplass thing yeah that is a duplass and project like, i believe that that again seems like it has a core passionate fan base but yet nobody else knows about it unless you're like me and you right and i've never watched an episode but i know that like critically it's it's quite enjoyed and it seems like this one had its critical love as well this is like I'll just give you my quick thoughts and then you can jump into the plot and everything. But this is I mean, obviously pitch black type of humor. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, oh yeah. That can always go like so many different ways. It can just be overly depressing. It can be like saying fuck for fuck's sake, you know, yeah. and just kind of like overloading you with darkness uh, to the point where the narrative doesn't matter. Weirdly enough, I think what keeps this program afloat for me is just like the vocal performance from whoever does Tim, like his yes. varying tones and his ability to keep things like he's kind of walking this tightrope between funny and awkward and dry. And he's able to just ride that awkward line enough that um, he has, he has one tone in his voice, but he, he's able to do these slight manipulations that, that add a lot of humor to jokes that would regularly just be dirty jokes. How about free dinner? Free meatloaf? Sugar, I don't want meatloaf. I want money. I don't have it. I, uh, I don't make that much. Well, then I'm calling Maurice. Maurice. Maurice, I'm calling you're, him now. You're calling Maurice. I'm calling Maurice. Unbelievable. All right. Just have Maurice send me an invoice. Oh, don't, don't. Have Maurice. Sure. Don't try that, honey. Okay. Maurice! Yes, this is Debbie. I'm here with a young gentleman who owes me $300, and he wants to pay with meatloaf. Explain to him how she's going to prepare it. Watch it. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, um, another thing I liked about it was that I think he sounds like you. Hmm. <laughs> I really think you and the guy Steve Dildary and the comedian behind this, um, I think you guys have similar voices and similar, like, bland not bland but dry you subtle like i meant dry um <laughs> that subtle humor that me and you can just like like where i don't know if you're serious or not and i like want to fight you <laughs> i'm like i don't get it uh but yeah so i i thought thought this shit would just be right up your alley yeah that if a cartoon is ever gonna be yeah i i well i mean i've been watching rick and morty i, I i'm sure true, I, true. I love it as much as you know all the all the other adoring tones about uh, love it and I guess I, just what I connected with here was the voice. That's weird that you say that he sounded like me. I, I didn't recognize that, but like his delivery of his his delivery of lines like um, when they're bringing at the very end of the episode when they're bringing in the tape that shows that he was that they were lying about the bum rape thing. And, <laughs> yeah. and he brings in the tape. He's like, "We've got a future development," and Tim just goes, "Development." And that, I mean, just like little moments like that made me laugh. This was a, I think like the, the narratives presented weren't super interesting to me, but I think the, what I was interested in was the nailing of the very small minor moments yeah. and the laughs they generated off of that. So even if they aren't, you know, narrative geniuses or it's not Rick and Morty where things cross over and cycle around and like there's this crazy puzzle of a plot you can just take enjoyment out of just being with these characters and i think if you nail little moments that's like a, a surefire sign that the characters are well written and performed yeah definitely i i feel the same exact way i after watching this a couple episodes in um i've i've watched the whole series many times it's pretty short it's easy to do um 
And yeah, I really do like the characters. And then, of course, all my comedy boyfriends come in with their cameos <laughs> as as stuff, you know, picked up. Uh, Marin plays a Hooters manager in one episode. Perfect. Um, Pepitone now, plays a cop. Is is Nick Kroll like a regular? Is Nick Kroll a regular on the show? Kroll is Stu. He's a main character, okay, Stu okay. Bone. Gotcha. Um, one of the best Kroll performances because you. He comes through. You know it's Kroll right away. Obviously, his voice is distinctive if you're a comedy fan, but mm-hmm. um, it's it was the perfect thing before Kroll was Kroll now. You know, this was mm. uh, a while ago, so this was something that probably helped a lot of those guys. Even Marin and Pepitone and guys who now are, you know, mid to high level. Um, celebs. It's cool. To, celebs, yeah, and <laughs> especially comedy celebs. Um they shine in this shit. It's great for cameos. It's great for just yeah, because you're not following some true detective style fucking arc. Like <laughs> it's just a cartoon to smoke a little weed or whatever on a Sunday night before you got to go back to work and hang out. So I'm glad uh, you you liked it a little bit. Kroll, I mean Kroll's voice work. I'm 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 a noted big fan. As I uh, I lobbied for his Oscar nomination for his role as the douche. In Sausage Party, uh, I thought he really deserved it. <laughs> yeah. Even even though, did you see the Did you see Sausage Party? I've seen it several times. Okay, yes, yeah. I like it. <laughs> First off, he's incredible in this movie. Second, he's off, great. He's he's just playing the character from um, Kroll Show. Yeah, he's just playing the Jersey Shore Kroll Show character, <laughs> and which he's good. played since way before even Kroll. You know, he's yeah. had that Bobby Bottle Service character forever. <laughs> side, side note: Oh, Bobby Bottle Service. Yeah. Side note: are, Were you a Kroll Show guy? Was it? Yeah, I, yeah, okay. yeah. I did. I like. You know, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be in any sense, but I loved how it turned out. I liked that there was almost kind of a story to it, even mm-hmm. though it was ridiculous. And I loved, you know, I liked his character's work a lot. And he has held up these characters for, you know, his entire comedy career. And they have gotten better as evidenced by the douche. Gotcha. <laughs> so. Uh, so give us a little, give us a little plot breakdown. This is split into two different segments. It's kind of two uh, segments. tenacious D in nature, as that's a recent one we've done uh, Looney Tunes in nature. So in terms of the structure, so give us a breakdown of those first and second segments. <clears throat> well, the first segment is the angry unpaid hooker. <laughs> And this hooker... Very much in the title, the plot. (laughs) Yes, it's actually... The title of the pilot is um, Angry Unpaid Hooker. And I actually... I'm sorry, the other one. Oh, Rodney's Bachelor Party. So the first half of the show opens on Tim and a hooker and his girlfriend's parents come to visit. And he's in there and talking about $5 BJs. And (laughs) anyway, it introduces the character of Tim as just this kind of like lovable screw up his girlfriend, Amy as this like type a, why am I with this underachieving bum? And then her parents are these like, I guess, waspy, whatever uh, stereotypes. Very cool with a lot. The performance of her dad, um, I noted as making me laugh. His relative calmness in the whole situation it had me smile every time he spoke. <laughs> right, especially when he was like, well, son, if this is the last time I ever see <laughs> yeah. you, uh, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, so that was clutch. And then, okay, so as the evening uh, transpires, Tim accidentally he was trying to call an electrician. He calls this hooker, who he later befriends and becomes a character in the show. Uh, He has no money, obviously. We learn that he makes no money at his crappy corporate job later in the episode. Um, And so hilarity ensues when the hooker tries to get paid by Tim. He cannot pay. She calls her pimp over, and he gives the pimp an outfit to class up his (laughs) image rather than money. And then he offers them some meatloaf dinner. and. now you explain. I don't want to gloss over anything. He called. He called an electrician because, or he, he called the prostitute by mistake. wasn't Then the prostitute wasn't the prostitute visiting, like numerous times. Like he called her on purpose, right? And he was just trying to play it off as he called her on accident. Well, you know what. I would think that if I had only seen the pilot, but uh, there, okay. there is no, yeah, so don't want to spoil a five-year-old show, but there is no <laughs> sexual relationship there. Oh, okay. I get the That's sense weird. that this is how he met this prostitute, who he later befriends because throughout this episode and subsequent episodes, he's like super nice to her, brings her dinner, takes her shopping for clothes. There's a lot of episodes with her. I love, and, I, uh, I love the 
the line where she she's telling the pimp that he wants to pay with meatloaf, and then he leans in and is like, "Explain how I'm gonna prepare it." Like that's gonna like that's gonna change the pimp's mind. Yeah. Like if it's got like some some garlic salt on there. <laughs> right, right. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. All right, and so uh, the second half is uh, Rodney's bachelor party, and so Rodney is another character, a regular character in the show. Tim works with at OmniCorp, and. Uh, Side note, his job is actually, there's an episode about this as well. He, as trying a struggling comedian, trying to make ends meet, he was selling meat over the phone for this like corporation and making no money because <laughs> who the fuck would ever want to do that? So anyway, he, Rodney is a work, quote unquote, friend who invites everyone at work to this bachelor party. And it turns out he has two friends, Tim and Stubone. And they go to the club it's crazy i don't really know that there's much plot if you're not watching the show it's hard to explain the club scene but it's there's the obnoxious dj yeah they just um, there's nobody there and so there's no one there to cover for the fact that it was boring they basically say that they're gonna make up stories and kind of stick to them right but all the stories all the beginning stories that they test out on tim are basically making him seem like a wuss like uh i, I believe the line is hold on it's basically like, oh, I don't like the general themes that you're exploring. <laughs> that he's like a gigantic wuss and a baby, and he goes home or throws up on himself. And then it turns out that Rodney, the story that Rodney decides is the appropriate one, is that Tim got raped by a bum. And his boss believes him. Mm-hmm. And it escalates. Calls him in to talk about it. It escalates. And another thing, the boss in this fucking show is one of the most hilarious bosses <laughs> that I've ever seen on animated or live sitcom. Like so, so you're the saying, way he treats and talks to Tim. So you're is saying hilarious. so you're saying it's better than the American version of the IT crowd boss? <laughs> just a just a tad. A scotch. That's that's what we call a callback in the industry. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, that shit threw me off the IT crowd. <laughs> um so anyway, they go to this lame party. <clears throat> the boss calls tim in asks all about it they have to try and backtrack the story and um instead of saying raped by a bum what did he change it to he said no i was like <laughs> oh he tried to sell a bum drapes or something no i said gave drapes to a bum oh, bought, that's right bought drapes for bought a bum. drapes for a bum and the yeah. boss he's like you bought drapes like the boss's voice this guy peter giles like even his voice i could just listen to him like read books on tape <laughs> uh so um it turns out you know if if we had an audible sponsorship i'd throw it right in there it'd be super seamless i know but I'm we a, don't yet i'll get one and then i'll insert that in later and then we'll just be laughing about it sweet and so um tim did not of course get raped or buy drapes for a bum hmm. story gone wrong party gone wrong and rodney again i know i keep arguing this but a couple great storylines come back with him uh in one he's stoked that his wife gets knocked up by an nhl player because then he can be the dad of like an nhl player uh he's like hey if your wife's gonna cheat on you it's pretty cool it's a professional athlete yeah i mean if lebron wanted to you know be with my wife just for one night just so you know we're taken care of you'd almost like pay to hang out there yeah (laughs) but uh sorry but yeah so i just felt like it was a solid pilot uh for an animated hbo series and i wanted you to like it and get into it man I did enjoy it. I I do have some favorite moments. I uh, I really enjoyed Rodney's delivery and the, just the basic execution of guys. I'm getting in the cage. I'm taking off my shirt. <laughs> 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 uh, I enjoyed that. I just like the the storyline of the impossibility of reversing a narrative. Like of course, obviously, it's played to huge effect here. Like the cops get involved and the small story that can be blown up into a huge story. But like everybody that's gone through even like a slightly brutal high school experience has had a narrative that they have not been able to reverse. Like there was one kid, and I'm, I was trying to think of a personal experience, but all I kept remembering was this, this one, <laughs> this one kid that we had on the track team that got a boner once wearing his track uniform and of course like you get a you get a boner wearing a track uniform and it's like it's there like you're you're not hiding this thing and i swear they called him some name it was like double o boner or something like that for like over a year this poor kid got made fun of 
every day for like a year because that happened to him. And there's nothing he could do to reverse that. Like it was stuck. And so I enjoy any stories that are about that. Yeah, it, it, it does suck. I mean, that, that happened to a couple of kids in my high school too. And uh, you can't live it down. And that one of my <laughs> biggest fears would always be that it would be me. I know. I would uh, like, you know, what am I going to do? Because I did a lot of dumb shit. You know, I would get <laughs> drunk all the time. I was always like trying to date these girls way out of my league. <laughs> Don't say that, man. No girls out of your league. <laughs> Not now if you check Facebook and look at all their husbands. But that's true. Um, that's very true. But, um, you know, I, that is a fear. You just don't know what's going to happen. And, and one kid, because you see that happen over and over again. And it even happened to a couple of my buddies. And they just get these nicknames or, yeah, you know, you shit yourself one day in gym <laughs> yeah. class. But anyway, yeah. Uh, a couple more little things. Um, I, I quite enjoyed the heat coming off the meatloaf, like the, just the black lines representing heat. Yeah, the little squiggles. Very, obviously very crude animation. It works for the dirtiness and the crudeness of the cartoon itself. Um, the line, if this was a TV sitcom, the pimp would look like you. I quite enjoyed <laughs> that. Um, the, the no, yeah. the, it having no score certainly threw me off at once, like dead silence. Like that's the kind of awkwardness they're aiming for, and luckily Tim saves it with his delivery. But just like the sounds of the ice swirling and the hookers drink, um, just drinks in general are basically the only sounds other than dialogue in that first part. And footsteps, that's it. And uh, I believe in the second one, all, really the only sounds are the DJ and like street traffic. So they keep it super, super. Yeah, animal. I do like the street. They do um, the street noise similar to Trailer Park Boys, where there'll be just a dude yelling, like, shut up! Like, <laughs> even in this one, you know, at the very beginning, it was like, what can Brown do for me? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, wait, does that actually happen in the first section? It does, yeah. It's the oh, very first awesome. line of dialogue in the whole show, yeah. And then uh, I also like the theme song a lot. Remind me of what the theme song was. The Hank Williams I, song. I know it's just like a black You'll never story, get out right? of this world alive. Uh, yeah, it's just like an okay. intro. Life right. in Times of Tim is just like a real depressing old country song, but it right. fits so perfectly. Yeah, um, and like this, the background, What Can Brown Do For You, was probably a character on that show playing this uh, angry New York City resident, kind of like in Trailer Park Boys where Bubbles plays all the other angry right. <laughs> Trailer Park residents. Uh, so I have, exactly. I have Steve Dadarian. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, MJ Otto, Bob, Bob Morrow, Nick Kroll, Matt Johnson. I don't know if there was anybody else in the cast that you wanted to mention or anything else you wanted to uh, do on this episode. No, I mentioned everybody, Peter Giles and everything. The AV Club um, liked it, so that means I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they kind of compared it to Seinfeld and Office Space, just anime. Made it, and I kind of would agree with that to an extent. Um, ah, the Office Space cartoon. I, I, like, yeah. Oh man, we'll have to do that sometime. I, don't, I, I have never we seen should. that one. You know, neither have I. Hmm. That's I know ne- that's about next it. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like that, Kanye. But yeah, I mean, I just uh, Peter Giles. I mentioned the boss, and I love, I love that they're poor. I just love everything about the show. It's real, and it, it gets away with shit that you wouldn't get away with. with the actors you could never pay everybody it wouldn't be as mm-hmm. i don't know as crude like you said it kind of has that south park vibe like the animation matches the the humor yeah you, um, know, you bring up a good point with uh being able to stack the cast in the in the event of animation or simple voice work like you think of um what's the like one? all the pixar movies what's, what's the one with the damn horse in it bojack horseman and you have bojack yeah that will would never happen yeah will actually. arnett aaron, aaron paul amy sedaris like you've got uh allison brie like if you wanted to put a show together with those four individuals you'd have to take it to i don't know you'd have to get netflix some, get a, a big <laughs> cash and yeah it had to be a netflix uh, uh live action instead of an animation but i assume that they they don't actually have to be there so you can really stack the cast in those occasions yo 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 gentlemen yo you ready to get this party started? I don't think we are, actually. Yes, please, let's do it. When people finally get here, I want this thing to be cracking. All right. Then come on now, motherfuckers! Who's he talking to? He got so angry. Let's get this fucking party started! Language? Yeah, you don't have to curse. We gotta... You asshole! On the You really, I gotta stop you right now! there. I gotta, I, I do not agree. Jesus. Let's get this motherfucker pumping! Let's start bumping! I appreciate the rhyme. 
but I'm still not on board. With bitches on the floor, we party all the more. What do you call us? Bitches, dude. We're bitches. acting like bitches. Come on, guys. Let's just dance a little bit, please. The three of us. Tim. All right. All right, motherfuckers. Let's... Yes. This bitch is ready to turn it loose. Heat. Heat. Dance. Heat. Man. Meat. Is it just me, or is this perhaps the gayest bachelor party in the history of the world? Gotta be top ten. Guys, I'm getting in the cage and I'm taking off my shirt! Oh no. Oh god. No, this is not what people do at bachelor parties. This is what I'm doing right now. One motherfucker in the house! Getting it! Yeah, so I'm glad you dug it. I'm glad you sat through a cartoon. And um, I hope it wasn't too bad for you the way that I had to watch a dog get fucking shot. <laughs> that leads us right into the leftovers. Uh, this is the a first show. thing I texted you. I'm like, why, dude? <laughs> this is the show on HBO. It's uh, running its final season right now, and it is now critically adored. Um, not not a luxury it was afforded in its first season. First season left people very divided. Um, most notably of of my circle of like podcasts was a critic named Andy Greenwald. Hated the first season. Um, really turned around on it in the second and loves the third. And that's kind of like the, the case that I see with a lot of viewers is his progression. And really that first season is marked is marked a lot by the pilot. It's marked by that brutal dog scene and the accompanying brutal deer scene. And yeah, it's a, like I was thinking, you know, first off from the original, like now looking back on it, now that I'm, I'm deep in season three or two episodes into season three, excuse me. There's such drastic alterations on it in terms of structure and location and most of all tone. It's a funny show now. Like it is the kind of it's kind of assumed that ranking. I think I tweeted this, but it's assumed the ranking of funniest drama on television for me, which was previously held by like The Wire and Mad Men, like shows that are funnier than most comedies. That's what the leftovers okay, is. Okay, yeah, now. sure. That's what the leftovers is now. And to think that this is how it starts, it's it's just an insane tone change. And this is me trying to pitch it to you in a larger scale. Okay, yeah. But I, I still think that the pilot has a lot of um, admirable aspects, despite the reliance on brutality. I did not, like, shit all over this. This isn't some, like, hate fest. That just was very jarring. It's, <laughs> like, such a jarring thing to see and then obviously yeah. it makes sense and you find out and blah 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 but i mean i still don't feel great about it even at the end when it happened again i'm like okay dude we get it like can't you fucking like put him somewhere else or just i don't know <laughs> obviously you yeah. can't and i'm sure it's all whatever but it's you know it's... it was just so jarring anytime i'm watching this shit and i text you during it real time like what the fuck i always just think it's funny because you know i assume you're just waiting for it most of the time well, I had, I had forgotten that that takes place so early. That's like in the first two minutes of the episode. Yeah, yeah, that's like the beginning of the show. Well, for, <laughs> yeah. I would say first first ten minutes because the first yeah. first few minutes is the woman and the baby disappearing. And I, I will say that I really love that scene because knowing what's going to occur, and even if you read the, the plot synopsis for episode one before you went in there, like just the little blurb that HBO reveals, you you knew what was going to happen. And it's clever framing to have all these mundane yet frustrating activities to kick it off, like the bill being crumpled, not going through the machine, the customer service phone calls, like the issues people were worrying about before the departure. Right. These and, big problems that we all have. Right, and they almost drill it into the ground too much because there's like three different things. You're like, we get it. Something biblical is about to happen, and right, people yes. are not going to worry about that shit for a long time. Like, they're going to be so rotten with grief that customer service is going to be at the low end of their concerns. So I do love that opening sequence, but then it goes right into Kevin Garvey running in sweatpants and a dog getting his freaking head blown off. Not not fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I love the the mixture of God versus science. You hear a lot. Of, yeah, I like the radio, TV people talking on there, and then there. I I liked the show more as it went on. I like the weirdos, the GR, um, uh, the yeah. guilty remnant people. Yeah, I, yeah, and I just think you know I want to explore the show for that, and then you know what you find out about his relationship with that group. Uh, so I will watch the show. Um, yes, because I think it's. I'm telling you, man. If you 
like it this much, it's good. I mean, anytime either one of us is so fucking super recommending something to each other, I feel like it typically, you know, works out. So I'll give it a show. I think it's going to be a good summer show. I can always use some drama, like when it's hot out and I don't want to be outside dying (laughs) in August in North Carolina. That sequence and probably like there's one more sequence in season one that's really rough. Really, really rough. <laughs> Worse than the dog thing. And you'll know it immediately when it happens. But uh, other than that, it, it starts to kind of ease into its correct tone as the season goes on. And there's, there's, there, are, there are hints of it in this. Like the when he runs out in the street when he's wasted and he's like, um, I can't remember what exactly he says, but you, oh, uh, you can't, you cannot kill our fucking dogs. And he's just screaming in the street and dropping his gun. Like that's more of the pitch black type of humor, um, that you get in future seasons. Good. I like that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, and I like him a lot. I, I love yeah. just, you know, some people just are meant to be looked at on TV or in movies. And yeah. I think he is one. He's, <laughs> me- he's meant to be a chiseled police officer. And he, he, pulls it off you know what i mean there's no shitty acting there's no fucking this like the to me i always notice you know we watch so many pilots obviously and it's so shitty and the people are fucked and characters don't come back and get replaced (laughs) and shit like this thing is put together you know that's what you're gonna get with an hbo show it's not gonna be some cbs bullshit with lecky and fucking yeah it's so you know it's so weird to know that he also was a writer on tropic thunder and he also played the guru And in, guy. like, Wanderlust. Yeah, in Wanderlust. Yeah. And then he's like, holy shit, this dude's, like, the leading man of leading men. And, and oh, by the way, <laughs> is married to Jennifer Aniston, I believe, still, I or was at one point. Like, the, the dude's kind of like my personal legend, so you don't, you don't, you <laughs> yeah. don't gotta talk me into Kevin Garvey. I'm all aboard the Garvey train. Yeah, same. Um, I'm all aboard a lot of people's trains in this uh, show. I like Jill. Jill, the daughter, is great from the first episode. She's not, like... The the teen storylines are always a danger, but she is like so over <coughs> Homeland. <laughs> she, exactly. She's so over being a teen that I appreciate just her like pissed off, terrible attitude, as they say. Like as her friend says that she has to improve her attitude. Um and then she delivers the this meatloaf is fucking spectacular line, which I which I quite enjoy. There's something you want to tell me? This meatloaf's fucking spectacular. Um, I do want to ask you a couple really important departure questions, all right? Okay. So we know that Shaq departed. He is Yes, I love all the celebrities. (laughs) Shaq was a celebrity who departed. And uh, first off, do you think Kobe was like secretly really happy that Shaq departed during that time? Yes. Kobe was so stoked. Yes, for sure. Kobe I, I, should show up in season three in an interview talking about that, actually. That would I, be hilarious. I know that um, they were probably on separate teams. This had to be like the Shaq, like Heat, Cavalier, Celtics years. But Kobe was still like, get that motherfucker. Yeah, out of here. now it's my league, dude. <laughs> so my, my NBA-centric question. If someone departed in the middle of the season, what do you think the, te- what do you think the NBA would do? Do you think they would just forgive them of all those salary cap ramifications? Hell no. <laughs> I think it would depend who it is, too. If it's LeBron, the fucking shit's over. Like, yeah. That's like if Jordan did it or something. You know what I mean? You can't, you know, if it's like Steph Curry, any of those guys, Westbrook, you're screwed. Now, if one... If it's Birdman, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> if an NBA... Now, I know you're you're kind of caught up in the NBA. I don't know how caught up, but if... If if one NBA team could depart one of their players, who do you think they would, it would be? Like, if an NBA team would be like, get that guy off my team. Ooh, man. Do you, do you think LeBron would rid the world of J.R. Smith? No, I think that... <laughs> Shit, I don't know. That is... I'm very into, I'm very into the idea of players departing like in the middle of the NBA finals, like Steph Curry departs and they're like, "What do we do? Got to quit." Do we like wait I mean till it he is unfair. It, it would be unfair and we do have a good commissioner now. Mm-hmm. This ain't no David Stern shit. Yeah, that's true. Um, the commissioner now seems to care. He seems all right. Maybe yeah, I would think if you're in playoffs or finals, you got if it's regular season, that's just Injury, you gotta go on with it. 
<laughs> yeah, that is kind of like an injury. I would think that like if if it happened during David Stern's run, there was a lot of David Stern conspiracy theories. Like he gave the number one pick to the Knicks so they could get Ewing. Um, there was a lot of Stern centric conspiracy. Like, theories. Never getting called for fouls, shit. Yeah. Yeah, like the Tim Donaghy yeah, like ref sure. ref thing. So uh, I think they would blame it on Stern, but I think Silver would make. You're you're right. He'd make the right decision. On to non NBA issues. So. On to non NBA <laughs> issues. Um, I was wondering. I was wondering what you thought of the the party scene. <laughs> the party scene is probably the most ridiculous aspect. More so ridiculous than people disappearing out of thin air. Yeah, I mean this thing. Like immediately, what I wrote down was: Is this an accurate portrayal? of modern sexual attitudes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I hope that the next kids coming up behind the millennials don't really act this way, but maybe they do. Like, America's pretty repressed. People are getting taken away by some sort of who knows what. Could it be God? Matter. We're just going to be fucking and snorting and doing whatever. And I just felt also, like, along with the craziness of, like, the all the sex acts just being done arm's length away from your peers and like <laughs> and all that stuff. I just felt like the dialogue was so focus grouped and so like this is how the kids talk nowadays and that could just be that it that is a valid criticism. It also could be that I'm an old dick and I just don't yeah. know what's cool. So it was an intense scene and it definitely along with like the dog thing and the Well the crazy family stuff. It was it was up there. So they're playing this game. It's like a spin the bottle, but it's a phone app, and it has like additional <laughs> terrible things on the phone. Yeah, app. yeah. And is that real? <laughs> one of them is burn. Now, I did have a scenario in my high school where somebody like, like jokingly got branded or whatever. Did that ever happen? Oh, did that ever happen to your high school? Like people burning each other? I think some of the football players went through a phase that branding was kind of cool, but nobody yeah. had the, like only three because it hurts so bad and you got to be like <laughs> blackout drunk and have access to like branding equipment. Like, yeah. So, uh, you know, if you live out in rural Western bumfuck PA, like me and or I imagine similar to where you grew up, like, yeah, that you're going to hear about that shit. But these are like a bunch of it's rich like, white, like <laughs> yeah, city people, suburban kids, city people. See, I, I was kind of weird to me, but no, that was not a thing. I, I got a tattoo when I turned 18 because like, oh, I'm 18. I can get a tattoo. But it wasn't like a symbol of toughness or whatever. It was just, I'm 18. I'm going to do this thing. That's you, as as I you weren't singeing your skin with a fork is what you're saying? No, no. I was just <laughs> permanently dyeing it with ink. <laughs> uh, also, she so Jill gets the choke one and she goes in with some kid that I know I've seen in a show before. I'll have to try to remember who exactly that was. But uh, so she chokes him and he masturbates during it. I guess that's a thing, too, that weird people. Do. <clears throat> uh, I believe the quote was, mind if I jerk off. I wrote that <laughs> down in, in Linorama. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, some other things that I wanted to bring up, uh, like one of the main things that I one of the main themes I really love about this is that the departure really brings about the idea that people are very opposed to randomness and they can't handle random. They, they could handle nope. if just the heroes were taken away, like, cause they, the big event at the end of the pilot is that they are three years from the departure. So they have this day of remembrance and they are labeling these individuals who are being remembered and who departed as heroes. And while they want to go to that extreme, the preacher, Matt, in the episode, who you later find out is the brother of the woman who lost her entire family, um, Nora Durst, who speaks at the end, he wants, to, he wants to make sure that everybody knows that they were all actually bad people. And he's handing out flyers that say, like, oh, the departure people did this, you know? What none of them can accept is that maybe it was random. And they uh, random, I think, is hard to accept in these like these bi in the in the biblical sense. Like everybody has to be either chosen for a bad or a good reason, and that's how the Bible's structured. And it's never like things just happen, right? And, and that's I, why religion exists because people right. need answers for things that just don't have answers. And yeah, the the search of meaning obviously is at the core of <laughs> every religion known to mankind or womankind. 
I don't want to be sexist. Like religion. <laughs> <laughs> like religion, yeah. Uh, also, the Wayne thing. Um, so Wayne is this character yeah, that's, Wayne. that's introduced through Kevin Garvey's son, who is living at his compound, a very Charles Manson-like setup, a messiah-like yeah. figure who has all these young women around and who lives out in the desert. And Wayne is this man who can unburden people. And in the first episode, he unburdens Buddy Garrity from Friday Night Lights fame. And uh, later on, you'll find out how he does so. But right now, we just know that he does something to people and helps them get through their, the pains brought on by the departure. Here it is a Texas congressman. And I would also like to mention that the episode was directed by Peter Berg, who directed the pilot for Friday Night Lights and was a producer and directed the movie. So that's why Buddy Garrity is in this episode. But anyways, the, the idea of the Messiah or Messiahs cropping up was something that both the showrunners talked about even after that very first episode. And it's something they still do today on the show. It's still a core theme of like the search for a Messiah and Dave, Damon Lindelof, who is the showrunner along with Tom Parada, who is the author of the original book, Damon Lindelof, you'll know from lost. Um, he said that people should be wondering if Holy Wayne is just another man with a ranch and a plan, the Manson stuff. Uh, but he says that one thing that really interests us as storytellers in the wake of an event like the departure is the rise of prophets. You wouldn't be able to tell the real ones from the, fake ones the guilty remnant in their own way is similar and he's of course referencing the leadership of patty but so i i I like the messiah stuff and i like that that continues and i also quite enjoy the randomness the comments on that yeah i i i bring it to just politics and religion because right now in america you know there is a departure happening about how divided everyone is and Mm -hmm. how half the country seems to be like trump is god's great white devil hope savior whatever the fuck and the other half of the country's freaking out and mm-hmm. um you people do want answers all the time but especially right now we just feels like there's so much tension like as in this tension for me was when the cops attacked the the uh, guilty remnant mm-hmm. um and he the main man our boy uh does the right thing and reluctantly he doesn't like them and it hurts him um, personally. He kind of, he doesn't morally uh, okay scene, but I think he realizes that like, you got to protect people you don't even want to protect sometimes because it's the right thing to do. Well, it's a peace, it's a peaceful protest and it's nonviolent. And I think that's a, that's at the core of the remnant. They are, their, their form of nonviolent protest is to egg you into committing violence against them. Right, and right. And I think that... That's at the core of a lot... No, that's not at the core of a lot of nonviolent protests, but the, the bad ones, it is at the core of. They want you to look silly and violent to their, like, holiness. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that when you have things like the Women's March, the, like science march all these marches that we've had since basically november and january we get zero publicity and yet every tweet gets you know around the clock cnn covered it's i just feel that tension reflected in the pilot me feels very um timely and poignant to mm-hmm. tension i feel in everyday life and i i like that's another reason why i want to stick to this because I think they are kind of addressing that. Obviously, it's a couple years old now, but a lot of stuff was already in play, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Ferguson started many years ago, and that's what kind of kicked off, or at least gave a voice and a light to a lot of the social unrest. I like that angle of the show. I like that that's part of the, you know, messaging along with the God versus science stuff, the argument. These people, you know, they have their argument as well, so... Yeah, and the God um, and the God versus science thing. That's a that's a theme that's carried over from Lost. Obviously, Lindelof's connection there, the John Locke, yeah. the John Locke Jack debates. Um, you know, I think a good show, uh, most good shows, are the ones that you can carry throughout history and you can apply to present day political and religious and moral situations because they play with both big themes. They they play they play with big themes at such a level that, like any viewpoint can say like oh they're saying something about this but yet they're so internal and they feel so immediate that um, 
they feel good in in both their time and they can be used like the wire can still be used to discuss crime and poverty today and i think the leftovers is going to be used for many years to discuss again the idea of a messiah the idea of nonviolent protest and the idea of grief so like it, it plays with big themes in a way that you could apply them throughout history. That's what I think a good show does. And then it, yeah. it, it feels immediate at the same time. And, and the, the characters are the things that feel immediate in the moment. Yeah, I would have to agree with that 100%. I think that this will be something that gets looked back on and talk about. And I think also, I mean, a lot of shows do that, not just this, but you can watch The Office and that's like an office job, whether it's 1989 mm-hmm. or 2019, like you're going to relate to that. Um, right. And you, you may not relate this, to the, 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 you know, the um, Lonely Island parodies, but you're going to relate to the idea of two people in the office trying to carry on a relationship without letting their coworkers know things like that. Right. And that, and that weird guy that always has to tell you that he does karate and shit. <laughs> we all have that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think this is a, an awesome uh, societal commentary uh, that's up my alley in any TV show. There's comedy, drama. Well, those are about the only thing I watch, I guess. But, um, you know, I'm interested to see they set up so much in this pilot, which I love. You know, we always talk about that with these studies we do. And there are so many things that I find myself like, yeah, what does what does happen with that? What is up with that relationship? So. I think it's really cool. And just because you've said about like how the tone changes and it gets a little more palatable, like shock and and awe wise. um, I think that's just, yeah, it's going to shape up to be pretty cool. And it's, I think it's going to be something I'm going to like. What's, you know, it's weird. The only like loose ends, it's not like lost. They tie up loose ends. And, Thank God. <laughs> and they, they don't leave you with like a bajillion questions, but the, the loose ends that they really abandon are the things that, widen the scope so like what really surprised me about this pilot is how global it is in those first moments this is the thing they would run away from they would de-emphasize in future seasons they would make everything very um, family oriented internal small town community um, dynamics like here they're like talking about there's like radio things going over the basically ambient or basically like non-literal um literal noise um being pumped in like these different countries how they're reacting to the departure there is like uh uh, congressional hearings about the departure there's all these things that they're like broadening the scope in the background you know that that is definitely something that they don't care about later on and i think the show is too bad yeah personally i think the show is better for that and i think it just allows us more time with a wide because they bring in more characters and it just allows us more time to pay attention to them and like again like um you're not gonna hear about Shaq again for example you know you're not gonna hear about one celebrity in particular makes a return but most of the celebrities do not factor into anything and like the congressional stuff like i think lindelof actually said in a recent interview like you shouldn't know who the president is in our world that's not what we're concerned with and i think that approach primarily works for later seasons and it's just surprised me that things are so global here and like they're trying to tell this huge scope story like even where the characters are located like tommy's in texas and again that's like well, we are at least going from New York to Texas. So yeah, yeah, uh, it's not, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like that. Like there, there is a little bit of a global thing in season three, but um, it's very internal. That's, hmm. that, that's what I'll say, I guess. Oh, one more thing. The Blake Griffin twins. So these are the twins that are driving the Kia and um, are like friends with Jill, kind of friends with Jill. They're just like the two dummies. Do you yeah. Remember? So yeah, yeah. What was up with those two? So I guess they're they're people. They're uh, Charlie Carver and Max Carver. They call them the Carver twins. And apparently they're in Teen Wolf as like Wolf Brothers. And uh, this is what wow. I this is what I got out of their characters. It says, and this is like a Teen Wolf wiki. The characters are identical twin werewolves and have the ability to merge both their bodies into a single large creature before some other plot shit happened. But so yeah, they they are they're teen wolf wolves, which I thought was pretty funny. Hmm. But they well, really, but they really can... just look like Blake Griffin and also drive a Kia, which happened to be the car Blake Griffin promoted. 
Yeah, that is. Uh, I did not pick up on that <laughs> reference, but I I'm, I'm, it, and I'm, I love the NBA theme of this episode. <laughs> I'm I'm all about uh, NBA uh, connections and humor in this one. Uh, I guess I just had a couple lineoramas, but everything else on my notes um, checks out. All right, let's do it. All right, I've already said the good one about um, if I jerk off. I like um, <laughs> no one's going to come to a parade on we don't know what the fuck happened day. That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, I'm fairly certain, sir, that God sat this one out. Oh. Let's see. I don't know if this is one line or two. Please uh, help me. You're going to forget you felt this way. Burdened. Sometimes I say abandoned. Yeah, I like that one. I like she lost her entire family, Doug. She can say whatever the fuck she wants to. (laughs) (laughs) It's about Nora Durst. That's the mayor. And then I had, does that mean you're not going to choke me? Yeah, I like that one. I, I really love the Kevin Garvey line. We know who they are. And uh, that's in reference to the Guilty Remnant. And they're acting like they're this mysterious group. But we find out that one of them is Kevin's ex-wife. So we Yeah, know, we that was like they, crazy. Yeah, we know who they are. Now, was that because obviously I knew it. So I could, I could pick up on foreshadowing. And especially how their scenes were often back to back. Was that something that you expected at all? You know, I should have expected it. But I was just wondering, I thought maybe like one of his kids was, I was just, Hmm. you know, you're spending the whole time figuring out why he's so upset at this group. And of course, ex-wife makes a ton of sense. I just didn't know that they would go right for that. I figured, oh, his somebody died or they Mm. fucked over you know what I mean? I wasn't sure. Obviously he had some connection, but yeah, I did not pick up on the, uh, the stuff like the scenes being back to back and they, they play um, they play it pretty like well though like she can she can be the just like our entry into the guilty remnant like it, it right yeah i just thought it was another character and maybe he yeah. knew her from her old life or whatever yeah know. something like that um let me see what other lines so, do i got i don't have any more lines i was i was no, at i my, do have one more i was at my house cleaning out my gutter when kevin was actually having sex during the during the departure <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like this period's over. Yeah. I also like, hey. I don't know who said it, but. Li- lift up the hey. drink. Hey, <laughs> we're, we're, we're still here. I like that as well. That's pretty good. I think. A lot of lines, a lot of funny stuff, and for such a dark, weird pilot. Yeah, yeah. A lot of funny lines, and again, that is definitely a indication that it does get a little more humorous and a little less uh it 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 rides a really nice line later on so i've got a couple reviews i've got uh sonia sariara or no saraya perhaps from the av club she says it's going to be difficult to watch the leftovers week to week that's her first line there are a lot of strong elements to this pilot but there's so much uncertainty and not knowing at its center and watching it doesn't feel like it solves or explains anything at all so <laughs> that was pretty hardcore Yikes. and ew says in fact i'm fascinated by the push pull creative sensibilities of parada who i mentioned was the original author of the book and lindelof lost who wouldn't normally be in the same writer's room in the case of a television show part of me wants lindelof to prevail uh, though the pilot seemed fairly balanced. A character like Wayne in particular has the potential to be a much more nefarious figure in the show, and Thoreau's simmering soul to Garvey hooked me. I don't mind living with miserable characters as long as they're interestingly miserable. There's some glory in the gloom. So I thought that was a nice a nice one to end with, and I think I think those are basically all my notes, but I do have one more segment for us. If our connect okay. if our connection will hold up. We've got to end this season with a little bit of looking at lenses. All right. Looking <laughs> at lenses. So now I have the picture of Kevin Garvey in my, I was going to send it to you through Skype. So can you still at least look on Skype and see this? Yeah. Okay. So this is the one we're doing. This is a little Kevin Garvey and his aviators. If I can find it. Oh no, I think I lost it. Where, where are you Garves? I know what it looks like. Okay. I can speak okay. on Okay. Okay. So, oh, oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm dropping it in right now. Okay, cool. There he is. A little Kevin Garvey, uh, aviators, police uniform. God damn handsome bastard. <laughs> <laughs> now, what are we going to give these glasses on a scale of uh, Patty at a one and Kevin Garvey's back tattoo at a 10? 
Oh, where do we fall in there? If you're if you're gonna do a number in between, you gotta you gotta apply something from the show. You know what? I'm going back tat because I wonder if his tattoos are real. That was a note that I made. If if mm. uh, this man really sports setting, and I bet he does. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm giving him a full blown back tat ten. I mean, look at the bastard. It looks like Ray Ban <laughs> made him in a lab to make their glasses look cool. <laughs> you know? He's a cop that looks fucking cool. Like I want to be him. That is, it's kind of revived my love for aviators. Like I know in like high school that age, like aviators were all the rage, and then I kind of moved to the um, the black thicker rim glasses with kind of the silver dots on them. You know the ones. I'm okay. Talking yeah. About? Yeah. And I don't oh, know. Of course I do. Maybe I'll try the aviators again because he looks so freaking good in them. I'm gonna give him like uh, I don't like the gold rims, so I'm gonna give him maybe like an eight. So an eight would probably correspond to like uh, a Liv Tyler punching that guilty remnant girl in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an eight. <laughs> that's like an eight I, to I don't her just fucking gold. taking a swig at him or at her. For sure. I don't I don't love gold, but like with the badge and the whole little stars and he's the chief and it it's works. like Yeah, it works. It works for him and the Ray Bans, um I've always just been a fan of Ray Ban aviators because in the army you really can't express yourself at all. Like you have to have the same hair, the same clothes, the same everything as everyone else. But they did allow you to wear your own sneakers and your own sunglasses. So that's why I got into those things. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first place, because it's like, shit, man, I'm like college age dude. I got four years of this. I got to get out some kind of fucking, you know, expression. <laughs> and sometimes it was just a rocking a pair of aviators that didn't, you know, it, it looks cool. And I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is 10 years ago when I was in the army, I looked exactly like that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, it's just crazy. Like I give it a 10 love lenses. I will. I, I do want to mention a couple of the actors in here. I don't want to forget them. Um, Amy Brenneman, who most people will know from, I think her most famous role is probably Heat. Actually, she is the ex-wife. Uh, Christopher Eccleston was Doctor Who before, and he's been in some other movies. He was the villain in one of the Thor movies, but he plays Pastor Matt. Uh, Liv Tyler, of course, plays the woman that they're recruiting and who eventually joins the Guilty Remnant in that first episode. Margaret Qualley uh, is the daughter, and she has been a nice guys. She was the girl running away from the assassins. Uh, Carrie Coon. Oh, cool. Carrie Coon is Nora Durst, and obviously I've mentioned her a couple times, so you know she has a much bigger role as time goes on, and she's in the new season of Fargo as well. And one last, pers- one last person I want to mention is Max Richter, who does the music. And if you know that repeating piano melody, um, that is kind of like a touchstone for the series. And it, co- and it appears in the first episode, which, you know, he was hitting on all cylinders right away. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he comes up with some pretty interesting arrangements. And I will say one more thing. Whoever does the music licensing and supervision for the show is all aces because it's one of the best shows in terms of like a random pop song or a random classic rock song just blowing you away in terms of its placement. The last episode, a great placement of a, a Wu-Tang song. Oh, so, perfect. Yeah. Big, big time, I, I look forward to that. Big time Wu-Tang subplot, surprisingly, in season three. So, nice. <laughs> but you know, one thing they miss is they don't say who departed from the Wu-Tang. If you had to guess which, which member would have departed, Method Man. Method He's the Man. most famous. You wouldn't yeah. expect it. You'd miss him a lot. I think I'd go. go I think I'd go Ghostface, just because his name is like tailor made to kind of ghost him. Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. True. All right. Um. Obviously, thank you guys to everybody who listened for this season. Again, we'll be back in two or three weeks. Um, our first theme month of the next season is going to be Saturday morning cartoon. So we'll have uh, we definitely Perfect. we definitely are doing Power Rangers, and that might lead off the entire season. But in terms of other episodes, we're we're gonna figure that out. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Do you have any ending season two thoughts? I do. Um, season two was a crazy season, crazy yeah. year for me personally, and in this podcast, we made it to South by Southwest. We did live shit. Yeah. Um, it was a it awesome was a banner together. a banner year at the pilot study household. It was <laughs> probably peak pilot study. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I mean, just everything that this has afforded me personally um, was an awesome year, made some shitty shit way better. And we had an awesome time, made some friends and uh, I loved it. So thanks for listening, everyone. And I hope you still do because we're going to probably keep doing it. And oh, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's awesome. It was, it was so much fun doing this. And like we've said before, this started out as like an idea some bar in grad school and then two years later we're at fucking south by like you know i'm arm's length from francis <laughs> so and, uh, amazing yeah. year had a had a blast so thanks yep thank you guys and um of course rate and review us on itunes over the break uh, pilot study podcast you'll be able to find us um pilot study podcast search us on uh, soundcloud as well that is our that's our audio home and of course we're hosted through modern-vinyl.com where you can find all the other podcasts on that network so we thank you for listening and uh tell a friend and we hope to hear from you in season three thank you And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Oh, bummer.